0: are heirs of God. Christian, you've just become a Christian. You're an heir of God. As sure as you're a child of God, you're an heir of God. And of course, that's not all he says. Look verse 17. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. To me, this is the statement of our sonship. Fellow heirs with Christ? This is the statement of our adoption. We talked about it last time, you know, that To be adopted into his family, we have full privileges. I mean, full family. We're not barely in the family. You you can sit over in the corner. We are fellow heirs with Christ. Think about
1: what God's going to give Christ. Think what he inherits. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Fellow Heirs with Christ. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Turn to Romans 8, and uh, let's take another
0: look at this tremendous chapter. We've been looking at the key role of the Holy Spirit in our walk with the Lord, our Christian life. Uh, Chapter 8 unfolds great truths, beautiful truths, regarding our salvation, regarding God's gospel, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said, because it's the power of God for salvation, for deliverance. And when Christ came and unfolded the great gospel of God, as Paul calls it at the start of Romans, he didn't do just a partial job. The deliverance is past. When we look at the cross and what was accomplished, he said, it is finished. It is present in the sense that God is living within us now, empowering us to live lives in communion with Him. And this isn't just a little ritual that we have uh, regularly when we come around the Lord's table. It's a picture. It's symbolic of the life we have in Christ. And not just presently, but we look ahead to the future and God's going to finish what He started in our lives, and there is complete deliverance for every child of God. And Romans 8 looks at all aspects of it, and I think that's one reason why it's so well-loved and why we just gravitate toward the chapter, because past, present, and future deliverance is all explained and enjoyed in chapter 8. Let's pick it up at verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also. Heirs of God. And fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed to us. Now last time we talked about it, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We can know that God is our Father. We do know because the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Now, the unbeliever, he knows nothing of this. The world doesn't grasp this. Uh, The world usually just looks askance at the assurance that a Christian has. Although increasingly in a day when we have lowered our view of God down to the level that it is presently at in our culture, increasingly the world just manufactures a false assurance of their own. Oh, I'll be all right with God. Because we've become so enthralled with man that the unbeliever uh, has a false assurance that he'll be okay with God. God. But that false assurance is just that false, and it never really brings the peace and the assurance that the Holy Spirit gives. And it flees people in the time of crisis. If not now, then later. But for the believer who is by simple faith laid hold of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and verses that underline it for us become precious. Joyous things to cling to, whereas before perhaps we'd read those things and not even seen the truth. Now the Holy Spirit illumines the truth of uh, the Scripture and He bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We're born of the Spirit. We're not only born of the Spirit, I mean, we looked at it, verse 15, we're adopted. We have full family privileges. The Holy Spirit's not only the source of life, but He's the uh, continuing source of life. He not only gives us birth, He not only is the spirit of adoption whereby He puts us fully in the family, but we walk in the spirit and enjoy Him. He's the spirit of adoption. Uh, it's good, and I mentioned last time, you know, regeneration is a change in nature. Justification is a change in our legal standing. Sanctification is a change in character. Adoption is a change in position. And it's good and helpful to distinguish these, but you cannot separate them. They're true of every believer. And I might add glorification. And in fact, Romans 8 is going to move right into glorification. And that is sometimes a term that we would uh, associate, maybe with just theologians. But uh, if these other words, you know, I, I mentioned regeneration is a change in our nature... Justification, a change in our legal standing before God. Sanctification, a change in our character. Adoption, a change in our position. Why, glorification is a change in everything. I mean, we're going to be completely changed when He finishes us. And we're looking ahead to that day. We will be like Him. Uh, It's amazing to think about it. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, Thessalonians says. And then he goes on and says, Faithful is he who called you, and he also will bring it to pass. Now this sonship, this spirit of adoption, this tremendous uh, privilege that we've been talking about it leads very naturally Uh, he bears witness to our sonship and it leads very naturally to where he goes watch verse 17 the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children heirs also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified we have a new inheritance not only a new way of life the spirit leading us Not only a new access, we can go right into the Father's presence. Not only a new adoption and a new assurance, but we have a new inheritance. We are. I mean, look at verse 17. Heirs of God. Now, three things I want to underline very briefly, and then we want to just kind of splash around in it, you know, and enjoy it. Just kind of think about it a little bit. But three things that I would underline, it is ours right now. First of all, okay? Look at verse 17. We are heirs of God. Secondly, it is yet future in its full implementation or its full expression, even the end of verse 17, that we will be glorified with Him. The end of verse 18, uh, the glory that is to be revealed to us and really, verse 18 opens a whole uh, paragraph that moves on down to verse 25. And really, you know, it's hard to divide this chapter because each thought is tied to the next one. I want to say 27, and then I want to say, well, really, till 30. And, you know, you, you see the connections and you don't want to just cut and dry divide it. But uh, he opens this new thought, and so you look down to verse 23, and, and we'll talk about this next time, about the how the whole creation is groaning and looking ahead to that day. But in verse 23, not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. The longing that the believer has, the hope that he has is yet future. I am an heir of God, but the full expression of that has yet to be revealed. So those are two things, but the third thing is this. Our inheritance is absolutely certain. It's absolutely certain. It's a done deal. I mean, look at verse 29. Uh, he that's why I say you really can't separate this passage out. But when he when he states it in more theological terms, as he kind of recaps, he says this, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. He looks back into eternity past and he says, listen, the father knew you. He foreknew you. He predestined you to become conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren, and whom He predestined, He looks back, these He also called, and whom He called, these He also justified. There was a point in time when I was justified, when I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, therefore having been justified by faith. So He brings me into the present and says, Those whom he's, he's also justified in whom He justified, these He also glorified, and he looks ahead to that time when I will be and you will be, Christian, glorified, and he states it, looking on into eternity, future, really, he states it in the past tense, it is so certain, God's purposes will be accomplished in our lives. Now, let's look at it more carefully, particularly with this idea of inheritance. Verse 17, he says, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children, and if children, heirs also. Now, I think you can see that that's not an if of questioning. He says, since we're children, because we're children, that's the point. And both the ifs uh, in this verse are statements of fact. They're argumentation ifs, if you will. And so he says, if you're a child of God, you're an heir of God. And you are. You are. Since we're God's children, we're heirs of God. Think about that. You were born into God's family. He gave you the spirit of adoption by which you can cry out, Abba, Father. You're an heir of God, not Bill Gates. God. Don't spend your time thinking about what it would be like to be born into riches. In this world, when you've been born into Riches that dwarf anything I could mention. Have you ever daydreamed? Oh, wouldn't it be something to be in the such and such family or win the lottery or any number of other things that people think of? And even Christians get caught up in. And he says, listen, if you're a child of God, you're an heir of God. Think about that. Let the uh, Scripture speak to us. Uh, I read from the 50th Psalm. Every beast of the forest is mine, God says. That's a ranch, isn't it? (laughs) The cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains. And everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For the world is mine and all it contains. Uh, The poet you know, it just kind of expands. He says, listen, I own the cattle. In fact, I own all the beasts. In fact, the world is mine, God says, and all it contains. When Solomon, uh, assembled all of Israel after he had had the privilege of building the house of the Lord, uh, he, it's an interesting chapter to look at first Kings eight, but, uh, he looks back and he said, you know, it was in the heart of David to build a house for the Lord, uh, his father. And uh, David, you know, had wanted to build the house. It was in the heart of David to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. Nevertheless, the Lord said to him, you shall not build the house, but your son who shall be born to you. He shall build the house for my name. And Solomon recounted this when he gathered all Israel and all the elders and all the leaders together, and he recounted this. And he said, you know, my dad wanted to build this house, but uh, God said, it's good that it was in your heart, but nevertheless, you're not going to build it, your son. And Solomon said, you know, you can just see him thinking, I was able to be the one to build the house. And then he said this, I have surely built thee a lofty house. And it was. I mean, you read the description and uh, we, I think, we're built that way. We marvel at some of the buildings that we see that man can create. And Solomon said, I've surely built thee a lofty house. And you read the, uh, the specs, you know, you read the blueprints, you read the building process back in those chapters, and it was a lofty house. But, he went on to say, as he kind of introduced and in at the dedication of the temple, you know, he said... Uh, Will indeed God dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain thee. How much less this house which I have built. That's the air, really, of any kind of thinking that would limit God to uh, a religious building. That's why I don't like to... uh, I'm all for having kids respect this building, you know. But I never have enjoyed or liked it when uh, people sometimes use that as kind of a, you're in the house of God, don't you? You know, it's okay to chew gum on our furniture at home, but not in the house of God. And I appreciate the idea. You know, we ought to do, do our best to keep this place nice, but this isn't the house of God. And we don't want to mislead anyone. God is so much greater than anything man could ever build. And we are heirs of God. Moses spoke to Israel. And uh, when he was kind of giving them his last charge, I mean, the whole book of Deuteronomy is this way. And he said in chapter 10, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Think about that. And God used that. I mean, Moses used that. He said, listen, think about that. To the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it. And then he called for Israel to simply obey the Lord and serve Him with everything they have. We are heirs of God. Christian, you've just become a Christian. You're an heir of God. As sure as you're a child of God, you're an heir of God. And, of course, that's not all he says. Look at verse 17. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. To me, this is the statement of our sonship. Fellow heirs with Christ. This is the statement of our adoption. We talked about it last time, you know, that... To be adopted into his family, we have full privileges. I mean, full family. We're not barely in the family. You know, you can sit over in the corner. We are fellow heirs with Christ. Think on that. Think about what God's going to give Christ. Think what he inherits. Uh, the second Psalm. Jesus speaks and he says. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, and the second psalm, in fact, we we looked at it the other night. Uh, It's such a beautiful panorama of, of the whole perspective of things. But first the father speaks, and then the son speaks, and the son is speaking. He says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, Thou art my son. Today I have begotten Thee. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as thine inheritance and the very ends of the earth as thy possession. Just ask, and I'll give it to you. And, of course, the psalm sweeps through history and points out that he is going to inherit the world. He will rule the world with a rod of iron. And he will one day ask, and it will be given to him, his inheritance. And he has been resurrected, and He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He is coming back. What a what a tremendous thing to think on. Listen to the Messianic Psalms and read the Messianic Psalms. I think, you know, you see more into the heart of, of Christ, perhaps in some of the Psalms, than anywhere else in Scripture. Uh, it almost rivals John 17 when the Lord pours His heart out to the Father. But you get insight into who your Savior is and read the Messianic Psalms regularly, but read them... Uh today, read them with this m- mindset, I'm a fellow heir with Christ. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of uprightness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, thy God, has anointed thee. You remember the first chapter of Hebrews quotes this. I'm reading the 45th psalm. And uh, he's speaking to God, the Son. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And we're specifically told that in Hebrews 1. And then he says, Therefore God, the Son, thy God, the Father, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments are fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. Out of ivory palaces, stringed instruments have made thee glad. What a picture of splendor it is to just get a glimpse into his inheritance. The 110th Psalm, the Lord says to my Lord, again you see the triune God, the Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. Or I think of the, the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th psalm. 22nd psalm, the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said, who lays his life down for the sheep. And the 22nd psalm is the great picture of Jesus Christ's death on the cross, the crucifixion, the good shepherd laying his life down. Then the 23rd psalm, The great shepherd who's risen from the dead, Hebrews 13 says, and he is now, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want presently. He takes care of me, he feeds me, he leads me beside quiet waters. But the 24th psalm moves from what he did on the cross, the 23rd then, what he's doing now, and the 24th looks ahead to when he returns. And the 24th psalm opens, the earth is the Lord's, and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Uh, We should enjoy, we should enjoy that Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, and we are fellow heirs with Him. I mean, there's no higher thing that I can state. It stretches my ability to speak when I speak of my position, your position, Christian, as a fellow heir with Christ. Turn over to Revelation. Look at uh, Revelation 5 with me for just a minute. You know, the book of Revelation uh, is such a beautiful consummation. It's such a beautiful ending to the Scripture. And uh, it's so good to realize that when the book with seven seals that's in the Father's hand on the throne... When Jesus Christ opens that sealed book, and He's the only one worthy to, why, it culminates then, and the book of Revelation unfolds with the opening of these seals, and it culminates in this statement in chapter 11. There arose loud voices in heaven saying, "'The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ.'" And he will reign forever and ever. And there's just loud voices in heaven saying, He has become king of all. And he will reign forever and ever. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord.
1: You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Fellow Heirs with Christ, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist, It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org, or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. We're continuing to see new growth in the Romans Project on the continent of Africa. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this ministry, or become a partner with us as we minister to pastors and church leaders throughout Africa. Just navigate over to RomansProject.org, or connect with us at Facebook.com RomansProject. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast.
0: The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God, and being children, we're heirs of God, and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. We will
1: suffer with Him in
0: this day, but there's coming a day when things will be set right. But notice he moves right on, verse 18. But I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed. When I think of glorification, Paul says, when I think of the glory that's awaiting us, when I think of the fellow heirship that we have, I consider
1: that the sufferings of this present time aren't even worthy to be said in the same breath. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled Fellow Heirs with Christ. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.